This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Baruch Hashem, I'm here uh, for uh, for uh, uh, this class, also uh, Shabbos Kerev uh, Tuni, which is a Hasidish Shabbaton going on this weekend. And uh, this coming week, I'll be running the Possible Youth Seminar here in Muncie, which is a, a seminar on personal transformation. And uh, what I do when I'm not teaching the possible you is I teach about being the possible Jew. And tonight's subject is how to deal with the Yetzirah. So we're going to be handling some details in in dealing with the Yetzirah. I will give you a couple tricks and then we'll go deeper and we'll see uh, where we can go with all of this. Now, uh, first of all, just on the trick level, a couple tricks to dealing with the Yetzirah is uh, one of them is that the Yetzahara has a it's it's very cunning in its in what angle that it approaches you so meaning it switches its um, its uh, what's the word I'm looking for it's a its GPS position the Yetzahara switches its its location on a daily basis so if it gets you somewhere one day and you think it's going to get you there the next day it's already somewhere else. So, so thinking that you're going to hop it the following day because of how it how it got you the day before is not going to be very helpful because it, it's it's going to it's going to find a new location. Another thing that's that's super important in in dealing with Yetzirah is to expose the Yetzirah. Very often, we have the Yetzirah has done its thing before we even realized it. And the way that you expose the Yetzirah, one of the best ways to expose it is, is Divri Torah, is Talmud Torah. You will notice that in a day where you learned a little before you left for your day, compared to a day where you didn't learn at all, you will find that the Yetzirah throughout your day, different types of inclinations will be, will be, um, exposed. You will be able to actually expose where the Yetzirah is hitting you. Because of the uh, the Talmud Torah that you did, there's something about Talmud Torah and exposing the Yetzirah that that come together. Now the next is the next is regarding the Shmiras Einayim. It's brought down that the that the each of the eyelids has a malach that has you specifically looking at things you're not supposed to look at that even from a distance like you could be walking and at a distance you will see something that you you really shouldn't be looking at but it, you really you shouldn't have even seen it but your eyes will somehow like amazingly find their way to that particular thing you're looking at and and there's a malach on each eyelid it's brought down that gets you to look at it why? Because when you avert your eyes from that particular thing, you will have siyata deshmaya, and, and it's an ace rutzon. It's brought down in Sfarim that it's an ace rutzon for a tefillah, <coughs> meaning the schus in you, the the schus of averting your eyes from that particular thing that the that these two malachim have you look at by you looking away, you now have an ace rutzon for a tefillah. Now. The Yetzirah is is sometimes also best ignored. Now you got to be careful what aspects you're ignoring. Meaning, if, if it's already if it's if it's got you doing things you're not supposed to be doing, so that you can't ignore it. But 
The Yetzirah the is also something that if you put too much emphasis on it, meaning if you put too much, um, you try to fight it too hard, that you'll, you'll wind up in, um, I don't know how to say it, but you could wind up in this kind of OCD scenario where you're obsessing about it. And what it's doing is all you're doing is giving the Yetzirah more energy. And we'll speak more about giving the Yetzirah energy later. Let's go a little deeper on the Yetzirah, and that is that the Yetzirah is really your best friend. The Yetzirah is your best friend in that if it wasn't for a Yetzirah, you wouldn't have a lot of schar. The, way, the only reason God created the Yetzirah was that you should beat it, is that you should win it. And that is your whole schar. So to be someone who's always, who's always saying, oh, the Yetzirah is bad, it's a mistake. The Yetzirah is not bad, the Yetzirah is your schar. That whenever you have a Yetzirah for something and you're able to stop it, you're able to subjugate your Yetzirah to do the right thing and not to do the wrong thing, right there is your schar. No Yetzirah, no schar. Hashem didn't create us malachim. He created us and He wanted to be native to us and to give us schar. Next thing that's important to know about the Yetzirah is that the Yetzirah is not interested in one Avera. The Yetzirah is interested in multiple Averas. What good is one Avera to the Yetzirah? It doesn't mean much to the Yetzirah. What the Yetzirah is interested in mostly is interest, it's interested in the emotions that come from someone who did an Avera. When someone does an Avera, so what happens is they have all kinds of negative feelings about themselves. And they now believe they're like a piece of garbage. And now they believe they're not shaykh to teshuva. And who are they to do teshuva after what they did? And now they're not shaykh anymore to Hashem, they're not shaykh to turn, not shaykh to anything. The Yetzirah is much more interested in the emotions that are created through an Avera than the Avera itself. Because if the Yetzirah can get you down, meaning if it can get you into an Avera that gets you down, so once you're down, so there's no end to how many Averas you can do. It's not interested in one Avera, it's interested in multiple Averas. And the way it gets to the multiple Averas is by, is by getting you down. It's very important that when you, if you do fall in any kind of Yetzirah, that you get up quickly. An analogy is like car bumpers. If you guys ever parked a car and you hit the bumper of another car? Okay, today they have beepers on the bumpers, so it's like, it's less common. But in the, in the old days when you parked your car, so you hit the bumper and immediately you looked around and then you pulled your car gently off the bumper of the car. But can you imagine parking on someone's bumper and then leaving your car there? And the guy comes out of the store, he's like, what'd you do? Your car's on my bumper. And you look at him, you're like, well, that's why it's called a bumper. We've bumped. 
when you, when you hit someone's bumper, you immediately get off the bumper. Immediately. But when it comes to chas v'shalom, to do an Avera, so what happens is, it's like you did the Avera, and then you put the car in park. Right there on that Avera. Now let's go a little bit deeper in dealing with the Yetzirah. person only does in their actions, in their world of doing, they only do that which they feel is shaykh to them. A person only does what they feel is appropriate to who they are. Someone who's involved in Averas is whose Yetzahara gets him to those Averas is generally someone who's going to be in his mahus, seeing himself as a no goodnik. Whereas someone who sees themselves as holy, as Kadosh, as a tzaddik, so he loses his connection to the Avera because it's just not who he is. It's about the, the mahus of the person. Now, it's not that a tzaddik doesn't have a Yetzirah. He may have a Yetzirah, but all that Yetzirah that he has is only for the schar. Because he doesn't feel shaykhas bechlal to the actual maisa, to doing a maisa Avera. He doesn't have any shaykhness to it because it's not who he is. When you meet someone who's struggling with the Yetzirah, meaning they're falling, the reason they're falling so much is because of the mahus of how they feel about themselves. Now, if someone has a loved one who's struggling, a teenager or whatever, who's struggling with the Yetzirah, now it's very easy for the father to be to be you know upset with them. How could you do that? And why are you doing like this? And why are you doing like that? But the father, who's a de- who's a deeper man, is going to realize that the reason why he's doing that is because there's shaykhs, there's shaykhs. And what's the shaykhs? The connection has to do with the actual being of the person. That the person themselves sees themselves as not holy. That the person's not a tzaddik. Now every person was created, each one of us, was created as chelak elokomimal. Every one of us has a neshama that is so shaykh with Hashem that we're even, even able to call Hashem Atta. Which is chutzpah. You don't call a Rosh Hashiva you. You don't call a judge you, you call him your honor. You don't call a, a um, king you, you call him your highness. But when it comes to Hashem, we call him Atta, you. And the reason we call Hashem Atta is because we're created B'Tselem. We're created with a chilek elakom imal on the Shema. The more a person identifies with the neshama, 
the less shaykhs they have with the Avera, and therefore the Yetzahara for the Avera is just something that they can subjugate to schar. They can literally transmute the Avera into schar without ever, obviously without doing the Avera. But they, by, by stopping themselves from that Avera, they are able to turn that Avera into schar. Now, another detail about the Yetzahara is depression. Is depression. The, the Yetzahara is interested in a person's being depressed. You see this with Bali Chuva a lot. The Bali Chuva at the beginning, they'll be very excited. And later you see they're a little depressed. And it's hard to understand why is he depressed. Like he seemed fine before and now he gets depressed. They go through these depressive, depressed stages. So if I can explain it in a Kabbalistic way, it works like this. The dark side, the Oylem HaChoyshech, the dark side feeds off of Kedusha. Everything comes from Hashem. He's Yoytzer Or in Borei Choyshech. Hashem is the source of light and dark. So the only way that the dark side, which is called in Kabbalah, the Klippas Tameis Lagamre, the only way the dark side can get its sustenance, to get Shefa, to get Chiyas, for it to live, is it's got to pull it's Shefa from Hashem, it's got to pull it from the light. The, only the light can give the darkness Chiyas. Now there's three types, or four types of Klippa. There's something called neutral Klippa, it's called Klippa's Neuge, that's the physical world. That's the Klippa we're in. Why is the physical world called Klippa? Because you can't see through it. You can't see Hashem through this world. All of this world, the physical world, is made of elokus. But in Kabbalah, it's called klipas noiga, which means it's neutral klipa. So, for example, the desk you're using is made of klipas noiga. If you used, if this table was used as an accessory to hold a vodazora, and you put an idol on the table, we have to destroy the idol and the table. Because now it went from Klippas Noga to the Klippas Timaeus Legamri. It goes into totally dark Klippas. Now the dark side gets its chius via the Klippas Noga. Now I'm going to ask you, gentlemen, what is the highest, what is the highest source of light in the whole physical world? In the whole world, the physical world means Klippas Noga. What is the highest light in the whole physical world? What's the highest thing? What's the highest thing we got in this world? The sun. The sun's maybe the highest thing in our solar system. Uh, what's the highest thing in our earth? What's what's the highest thing spiritually? Beis Mikdash. What? Yeah, Odom. Human being, and especially a Jew. The highest thing in this Bria is the Odom. And of the Adam is the highest thing is that is a Jew. And therefore, the greatest source of sustenance that the dark side can have is off of a yid. Now, how do you keep the dark side from getting getting its chiyas? Is by being shoimer, tarig mitzvahs, and especially the shesam mitzvahs loisase. That's the best way to do it, is to keep away from the 365. Now, watch this. 
Right now, today, 85% of Yidin are fried. 85% of Yidin don't keep kosher. 85% of Yidin don't keep Shabbos. I'm not here to be Makatrik, I'm just stating the fact that 85% of Jews today are not from. Now the highest thing in all the physical world is a person, and the highest person of all the physical people are Yidin. And now you've got Yidin giving the dark side a Las Vegas smorgasbord. Because everything that Jew does that is an Avera is giving chiyas to the dark side. Now imagine that Yid who's been giving the dark side all this chiyas, all of a sudden, I don't know, he takes a trip to the Koiso, he comes to learn with, with us over at Eshatera, but he get, and something happens. He goes to a Frum Chasana, something happens, he, get, he gets to a Shabbos table, he gets turned on to Yiddishkeit. And the next thing you know, He's stopping to do a vavis. Which means he's taken the valve, this giant sewage valve, and he's turning it tighter and tighter. He's not doing a vavis anymore. So he's turning the valve tighter and tighter until he finally becomes frum and he seals off the dark side. Now you think the dark side's gonna put up with that? You think the dark side, it's been getting its Las Vegas smorgasbord for all these years? You think it's, the dark side's going to put up with, with this Yid who suddenly became a tzaddik? So the answer is no, of course not. It's not going to put up with that. And what's it going to do? The dark side has to do something. So it's got different options. Here are the options of the dark side. Option one, have this guy go in what's what's called the Frum Yetzahara. You heard of the Frum Yetzahara? Have this guy go totally OCD, frumed out. Until he blows up and leaves everything. And then he's the and then the dark side's back to Vegas. So that's called the Frum Yetzahara. That's one option. And I've watched plenty of people go that way. And not only have I watched people go that way, but I've watched fathers go that way only to have their kids fry. I've had fathers go that way who are, you know, the fathers become OCD about the Yiddishkeit and they send their kids packing. You know, it's almost like the father's keeping a time chart of what time his kid went to shul and what time he got back and did he, did he say Kedusha and did he say Krishma. I've had people tell me that their fathers called the fathers called them after they already left the house after 18 their fathers called them still about Krishna as adults and then later he got married and now he has kids and his father calls him to make sure his kids are saying Krishna he was so excited when, he, when they finally came up with a technology called caller ID stopped answering the phone at least around the Zizmanim Now, the next option is depression. The next option that the Yetzirah has for someone who's keeping terror all the time is depression. I'm going to share with you a bit of a shocking fact. It says it in Sfarim. It's a bit of a shocker, but you ready for this? Someone who does mitzvahs 
from a depressed emotional state, the mitzvahs go to the dark side. The mitzvahs go to the dark side. Meaning, this is Las Vegas smorgasbord on steroids. Before, the dark side could only get the Aveiras that the Yid was doing. Now the dark side gets the mitzvahs. Now the dark side actually gets the mitzvahs. Now, I'm, I promise you, I promise you, that whatever the dark side got off of pork chops is nothing compared to tefillin and a daf gemara and a shemona esrei, not to mention multiple shemona esreis going on for weeks. Now, this fact alone can put you in depression. And by the way, I'm not discussing clinical depression. What I'm talking about is, I'm not really, I'm not being accurate when I'm saying depression. I'm just saying a lack of simcha. Doing mitzvahs lo besimcha. As we all learn, tachash lo avadatim is Hashem elokecha. Kechem besimcha v'tuv levav. And since we're in America, I have to add, since we're in the United States of Asia, I have to add, merov kol. This is, a, this is the land of abundance. And, you know, we have all the creature comforts. We certainly should be over the Shembezim. And since a Frum Jew has the biggest danger of giving the dark side chiyas, giving the dark side energy, for people who are keeping terror. We have the biggest mitzvah to be vigilant about our joy. We have to be vigilant about joy. Now, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying like Rabbi Nachman that mitzvah g'day elias v'simchatomit. Why? <laughs> because, and what if you're at a Leviah? Or what if, what if, uh, what if, what if so, someone just lost a bunch of money? Or what if someone's business partner? Now, you still got to be besimcha from a deep level of simcha, meaning you got to know that Hashem's running the show and that it's all from Hashem and it's okay and you're going to make it and there's no mistakes. But you can't always be besimcha. But for all of us in general in our lives, as long as nothing's going particularly wrong at any given moment, we all have to be vigilant for our simcha. And you've got to know what brings you simcha. I tell the guys at Asia Torah when they become firm, once I see that stage called, you know, the glum, depressed type stage he goes through, so I always say to the guy, I say to him, tell me, before you became firm, what did you love to do? Same thing happened to me. I remember I got in my depressed stage when I became from an Ashatara. And the, uh, my Gemara Rebbe said, what did you love to do? I said, I love to ride mountain bikes. He said to me, do you have a mountain bike? And I said, no. I mean, in California I did, but not here. He says, you're not coming back to Shear until you have a mountain bike. Go buy a mountain bike. So I went out, found a bike shop. I bought a mountain bike, came back the next day to Shear. He says, did you get a mountain bike? I said, I did. He says, have you been, have you ridden it? I said, yeah, I rode it. He says, but did you go mountain biking? 
<laughs> I said, I have not gone mountain biking. And he says, come back to Shear when you've gone mountain biking. And you want to know something? I gave up mountain biking for about half a year. I've been mountain biking since I'm 11. I'm now 49. I gave up, the longest I ever gave up mountain biking was once in my life. It was half a year when I was 23 years old. I never stopped mountain biking from that moment on. We have to be vigilant for our joy. Now that doesn't mean you have to become a, like a, you know, a, a, involved in all kinds of holulus and, and moistres and stuff like that to have more joy. All you have to do is very poshtus, what brings you joy? Maybe writing brings you joy. So you want to write a little. Maybe listening to music brings you joy. But you got to be vigilant for it because if you do mitzvahs, not besimcha, in comes the Yitzhahara and in comes the dark side and then you got trouble. Okay, any questions at this point? Anyone got something to ask? Questions? No, we're good? Okay, very good. to a subject regarding the Sahara that the Torah goes into in a very, very thorough way. And this is to see, is the Yetzirah to see ourselves as separate from our fellow Jew. To see ourselves as separate, as in Pirut with our fellow Jew. If you look at the mitzvahs, Ben Adam Lechaveira, almost every single mitzvah, Ben Adam Lechaveira, is to see that Jew as yourself. Is to see every Jew as yourself. We have the mitzvahs of, of Avas Yisrael. We have the mitzvahs of Tzedakah. We have the mitzvahs of helping people who are suffering. We have mitzvahs over and over and over again at seeing every single Jew as ourselves. In fact, all of Choshem Mishpat, that Bate Dinim are judging every day in situations, Ben Adam every situation in the end breaks down to do you see that Jew as yourself. It says that everyone who leaves based in is supposed to leave as if they were Zakai, even if they lost. Because once the once we have applied Torah to an argument, to a situation of business disagreement, and once Bastin has made their decision, so then that's that's Hashem's will, and that's that's created what's that's created equality, that we are all the same, that we are all one. that the Yetzirah gets us is by seeing ourselves as separate from one another. And this often can take place amongst people who are wealthier is that they don't get the same sense of achtus that the rest of us get. For various reasons, money can be a big struggle 
when it comes to seeing us all as one and the same, that we're all equal. It's very rare that we get someone who becomes very wealthy and actually spreads his wealth out amongst all the Jewish people. There are those unique individuals, but there's but most of the time, people feel that their money is their own and their goshmis is their own. When in fact, the Medrash tells us that the reason why some have and some don't have is only that we shall share. Torah is telling us over and over again that we are all one and that we're to treat each other as one. Achtus. I want to share with, with all of you gentlemen the, the special work that's going to be taking place here in uh, Muncie starting uh, next week. Sixteen years ago, I was teaching around the world. I was playing music for the world. I was, you know, I was making a big splash. I was like a very popular rabbi sixteen years ago. And what I didn't realize and I should have realized, but what I didn't realize was that all the years that I was teaching classes and all the years that I was playing concerts, that I wasn't actually giving the class and I wasn't actually giving the concert, but rather I was taking. I was actually taking, I wasn't giving. How many of us have been in situations where we're in a shear and the person who's teaching the shear is actually taking more than giving? It's getting, there's kavod, there's attention. And I had been, I had spent 10 years doing that. And what happened was, while I was busy doing like interacting like that in a place of taking one day I realized that the reason I was I was taking instead of giving was because deep down if I look deep down that it was really because of a childhood story that I was a loser we see in the Parsha of Vayetze that Leah Imenu, her whole face was changed. In the introduction of Leah Imenu, it says that her Enaim were Rakais. And why, says Rashi? Rashi says, because she was teased as a child. She was teased as a child, embarrassed as a child. That just like Esav is older than Yaakov and Leah is older than Rachel, that Leah should go to Leah should go to Esav and Rachel should go to Yaakov. Now, gentlemen, was Leah ever going to be married to Esav? No. And it's not even Shaykh she should be married to Esav. 
But once she was teased as a kid, what happened to her as a kid is she saw herself as destined for this failure of being married to Asaph. When I was 33 years old, I realized that I had been telling myself a story for 33 years because of a humiliating experience I had in a shul. I had an embarrassing moment in a shul. And in that terribly embarrassing moment that I had, I believed in that moment that I was a loser. And now I was, I was 10 years old, believing I'm a loser, and by the time I was 11 years old, I had created an entire personality to protect myself from being that loser. And I went from 10 years old to 33 years old, 23 years, until, as I explained, I was like a vampire rabbi playing around, you know, playing concerts and sucking the attention out of everybody like a vampire. Now, Leah Imenu went for all her years seeing herself based on a childhood story of being teased that she would marry Asa. Well, guess what? She doesn't marry Asa. She marries the greatest man on earth. She marries Yaakov Avinu. Now tell me, did it help? <clears throat> did it help? Did that fix her? Everything was fine after that? No. Because when you tell yourself a story about your childhood, when you, I'm sorry, when you're a child and there's a story about you, that story doesn't go away. Just because something changed. Meaning, we all think if I only do this or I do that or I do the other thing, that it'll somehow go away. If I only get married, then everything will be fine. And yet you get married and there it is. The story's still there. Oh, if only I, if only I, uh, if I go learn in Eretz Yisrael, then it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing if I go learn in Eretz Yisrael, and it's going to be perfect. And you go move there, Eretz Yisrael, and you learn in Eretz Yisrael, and there's the story. Uh, maybe if I have kids, maybe then it'll go away. I'll have kids. I'll be a tante. And there's the story. Uh, maybe if I get a good job, maybe then it'll go away. And there's the story. Maybe if I have lots of money, I make lots of money, there's the story. It never goes away. So when Leah Imenu saw herself as destined to marrying a Russia, when she finally doesn't marry the Russia, if that were a movie in Hollywood, this was the best day of her life. Because instead, she didn't just get married not to the Russia, she got married to the greatest man on earth. But when you live inside that story... You can't even see that you're married to Yaakov Avinu. You can't see your money. You can't see your stuff. You can't see your the 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 uh, possessions you have. You can't see your spouse. 
When you're living inside that story, you can't even see your own children. You're in charge of the camera, okay? I just realized, like, this isn't exactly going to be the best video ever made, so I'm not standing there anymore. <laughs> You're going to be an active filming. Okay. Uh, maybe, CB, you want to do the filming? You, know, you mind filming? Reminds me of like the first video cameras. Do you got anyone remember the first time there was video cameras? So we got our camera and we like filmed a river for like an hour. <laughs> or whatever you filmed. And then you got home and you're like, oh I can't wait to watch this. After about like five minutes of the video, you were just... It was like the boringest you remember the first home video? There were the boringest videos ever. And once in a while, I still see a, you know, I'll see a little Hamish kid with like his first video camera. And I'm always trying to explain to this kid, I'm always trying to say to him like, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. And I look at the camera and it's, a, it's on like two and a half hours. And he's still so excited that he, I don't know what he's, he's filming like a highway. You know, for two and a half hours. Standing on like a bridge in like Williamsburg, filming a highway. <laughs> he can't wait to get home and watch it. Now, it gets worse though, because what happens is there's good news. And what's the good news? That Lei Menu, she gets pregnant and she's going to have a child. Doesn't this look like things are looking up here? Maybe now everything's going to be great. And she has that child. You want me to hold it? Maybe I'll, I'll just hold it like a selfie. And she has that child. CB, can you do me a favor? I need to, I have to have water. I'm getting all dried up. What? Sure, I guess, sure. Sink water is fabulous. So, she has the child. And instead of naming the child something nice like uh, Frank or, or, uh, or Jim, what does she name the child? She names the child Reuven. What does the word Ru mean? See, and what's Ben? A son. I see. See me. See, I gave you a son. Love me. Meaning, she sees herself as a snua. That she's that she is a she's a hated woman. Can I just ask who's going to be watching this? Who's going to watch this video? No, where, where's it going? Oh, this tour anytime? Oh, this, what chair? Oh, there's a website on this chair? That's amazing, people watch it? Oh my gosh, my apologies. I'm so sorry. I thought this was just like someone's personal camera. I, I apologize for, for interrupting this class. Oh, so people actually, this goes online. People are going to watch this. Okay. I thought someone was shooting a home video this whole time. <laughs> anyway. She names the child Reuven. See, I gave you a son. And then she gets pregnant again. Maybe now everything's going to go well. And what does she have? Who does she have? Shimon. What's Shimon mean? 
Shema here on from the word oni poverty. Here my poverty. I'm an unloved wife. When I'm going to say it again, when you're living inside some story from your childhood, when you're living in that story, nothing helps. Nothing helps. She's married to the greatest man on earth and while Rachel is barren, she has now had two children and it has made no difference in the story because once you're locked into a story, all you get is the story. That's all you see. It is the lens you're wearing. When you're wearing sunglasses, it doesn't matter where you go. You can go up the mountains here inside. You're wearing the sunglasses. You can go indoors and ask everybody, why is it so dark in here? Until someone says, you're wearing sunglasses. She has a third son. And the third son, she names Levi. He'll escort me now. I gave him three sons. Now he'll love me. And it's amazing that the first three Shvatim of Shifteka are named for the stories that, that Leah Imenu is stuck in. Now her story transmuted. She shifted it. At first it was, I'm, this poor, I'm a poor girl because I'm going to be marrying Asav. But poor girl stays. Now it's a poor, I'm a poor girl because I'm a snua. But then something shifts. Lei Menu, when she has her fourth child, when she has, who does she have? When she has Yehuda, she suddenly takes off her sunglasses and she looks and she says, Baruch Hashem, Hoydil Hashem ki She is filled with gratitude and she names the son, thank you. Yehuda, from the word Thank you. This time she says, I will gratefully thank God. And she names him Yehuda. She drops her story. And that is the end of her story for the rest of Leah's life. She becomes Leah Imenu then. Gentlemen, when you live inside a story from your childhood... It becomes the lens of how you see everything. There is nothing else. No matter how successful you are in whatever it is you do, if you're stuck in some silly story from childhood, you don't get to see anything. And though I was married and I'd become from and I moved to Rishalayim and I had a bunch of kids and I was a professional guitarist and it meant nothing to me when I was stuck inside that story. That was all I knew. 
And then one day, and you know how I got through mine? Is that whatever your story is, it touches, it, it touches your body a lot. Your story is how you're sitting right now, your posture, how you hold your head. Some of you are looking straight on, but many of you are, your head's on an angle. Where you keep your weight. Your story is through and through. It's through and through. Well, the story also can attack a part of the body, and the part of my body that got attacked was my digestion. And I couldn't digest food anymore. It started with, lact- with lact- lactose. I couldn't digest milk. I was lactose intolerant. I couldn't, but really bad. Even if I scraped the cheese off a of pizza, I couldn't eat. I couldn't even eat the crust. Later, I couldn't digest fried food. Later, I couldn't digest anything from the morning hours. I could only have water in the morning till noon. Doctors didn't know what to do. I was getting worse and worse. They finally realized they would have to remove my colon. They'd have to take out the whole thing. And then what happened was I realized that what had attacked my digestive system was a story from an embarrassing moment when I was 10 years old in shul. And what's the proof that that's what happened? Was that once I realized that my story was loser and that the way I was going to cover that up was first cool for 10 years, sorry, 13 years, from 10 to 23, when I went to Aish, it was a Litvisha place. So, now, is being cool... Today, being cool in a Litvisha place is cool. But in 1991, being cool in a Litvisha-based Midrash, was that cool? <laughs> no, it was so not cool. And I didn't know what to do, because I didn't have the currency. That I should be not a loser, but that I should be okay. And so what did I do? I put on a nice down hat, black suit, and I started learning and steiging and steiging, but I was such a Litvisha bacher that I was the, I was that stink bug bacher that would go up to the balabayas at a Shabbos table. I'd go up to the balabayas and I'd say, do you mind if I bench because this is Bittul Torah? And the, the, the balabayas would look at me like, why don't I just kill you now? Yeah. And then I just go back to my seat bench and go back to basement. And after three years of being Litvish, I looked around at the whole Hasidish world and I said, wait, there's still a whole other oilam that thinks I'm a goy still. And next thing you know, it's just like, but I was blind I was just I was just moving cool to Masmi to Kodesh you think I saw it? you know what it was like for my wife she didn't realize she was marrying a husband I mean this all happened right when I married her she thought she was actually going to see me Shabbos night she didn't realize I was going to be at Tish Shabbos night 
I'll never forget, she drags me into one of the G'dayli Oilam's office. She says, oh yeah, we're having a meeting with, with Rabbi Nachman Bolman, one of the great, great G'dayli, great educator, real tzaddik, amazing, amazing, the old world, like where every word he said, it was like he had a golden scale in his mouth. It was like he was popped out of a history book from the 19th century. The old, old school G'dayli. She brings me into him, and and I had no idea I'd I'd been brought into the lion's den. I didn't know this was a trap. And Rav Nachman Bowman says to me, "So Yomte, how's Shana Rishayna?" I said, "Oh, it's going great. We're having such a great time." He says to me, "Doesn't look so great for your wife." I said, "Why not?" He points to my wife. She's like as red as a cherry tomato. And she's bawling. She's crying. And I had a big schus. And that was, not too many people ever got to have this. I got to have a Guttleby Israel scream at me for 45 minutes straight. It was amazing. The greatest 45 minutes of Musser one could ever have. Think it helped? When you're stuck in your story, nothing helps. Nothing works. How many of us have seen all kinds of people go through all kinds of life shocks and it's the same old guy afterwards? Because when you're stuck in your story, nothing helps. The only thing that helped me was the fact that I was going to have to have my kishkas removed from my body. And right before that happened, I realized, I remember the time well, I was teaching a shir in, uh, I was in South Africa, there were 750 people waiting in a hall for me to come out and give a shir. The chief rabbi says to me, Rabbi Glazer, are you ready? Oh, Riba, 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 are you ready to give this shir? And I said, is there a bathroom back here? And he's like, but now we have a shear. And I said, now, before there's an emergency. And I realized right then that I'd been telling myself a story since I'm a little kid. And I stopped telling myself that story. And I realized that I'm not a loser, but I'm actually special I'm special didn't mean I stopped playing guitar didn't mean I stopped teaching classes and I flew back to Eretz Yisrael and I gave my first class and I gave my first concert my career was going like this before when I was trying to cover up loser but all of a sudden, once I started giving instead of taking, it went like that. Because when you drop your story, you're back to being the Tzelem Elohim that God made you. When you drop your story, anything becomes possible for you. When you're in your story, there is nothing possible. You can't even see your own spouse. You don't see your own blessings. You don't see your own wealth. 
You don't see your own health. You can't see anything. The biggest Yetzirah, gentlemen, the biggest Yetzirah is that a person who's created B'Tselem Elohim can see himself as a piece of garbage. There's no bigger Yetzirah than that. See, the Yetzirah, whenever the Yetzirah is out to get you, it's always going to try to tell you some kind of sheker. That is Emma's, obviously. It's going to get you to do some checker. That's it. that. It's I mean, how could anyone do an avera? The only way is that you somehow got convinced that something that's very checker to Emma's. This is what I should be doing right now. We get convinced somehow because we only do Emma's. People only do Emma's. Even Hitler and Max Shemot thought he was doing the world a favor. Even the most evil person in the world thinks they're helping. Everything we do is because we believe in that moment that it's the right thing for us right now. The story you tell yourself about yourself is your biggest Yetzirah. Because why? It's told you it's Emmas. And it makes you believe it's Emmas. No one could have convinced Rachli Menu that she was okay. Something had to transform for her, and it did. No one can convince you that the story about you is not true. Only you can transform that story and get back to the real Emmas. Think about your life right now. Everyone say the word Emmas, please, together. One, two, three. Emmas. No, loud. One, two, three. Emmas. Louder. One, two, three. Emmas. That's not very loud. Uh, can I get some noise here? What is this, Muncie? Come on, everybody, wake up. One, two, three. Emmas. Okay, now, I'm going to ask you some questions. Your job is to say Emmas. We're almost through. We're going to finish it. Okay, ready? Sorry, I'm, you can turn your chair around, by the way. I'm, excuse me? Seriously. You can, you can come to this side. Yeah, no, come this side. Okay, everyone say MS for everything I say. Do you, do you, br- you guys brush your teeth? You brush your teeth at night, right? Why? Everyone say MS. MS. You sleep in, because if you don't brush your teeth, your teeth are going to fall out. Okay? Everybody goes to sleep at night. Why? Emmas, you don't go to sleep at night, you're gonna, your immune system's going down, you get sick. Everybody eats a couple times a day, three times a day, Thursday, four times a day. Why? Emmas, you don't eat, you're gonna die. You keep Shabbos, right? You guys keep Shabbos? Why? Emmas, God gave the Torah to Arsena, it says keep Shabbos. Zohar. Zohar is Yamashevsk. You guys keep kosher, right, gentlemen? You keep kosher. Why? Emmas. Everything you do, you do it because it's Emmas. Except for what? How you see yourself. 
how you see yourself because there's a chatzitza between the chelak elokami mal that you are. Water. See me? You got me water? That's water. Uh, let me go over there. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Is this all water? Hello? I'm all good, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, some, I, I speak a lot, so I came from another speech, and it can dry you out, so I keep drinking, just keep... Yeah, the only problem is I don't, I'll be waking up about five times tonight. I'll drink small sips. Everything you do is MS except for what? The story you tell yourself about yourself. The story you tell yourself about yourself. It's Sheker because of? Because I was embarrassed as a kid at 10 years old. Has anything to do with the rest of my life? Nothing. That that Leah who was teased for being promised to Asaph. Has anything to do with life? Nothing. We are created B'Tselem Elohim. We are created with Neshamas that are Chelek Elokom Imao. And we get stuck in stories that we told ourselves when we were eight years old in Chayde. Or something our Tati once said. Or that he left, he forgot us in shul. And we're chasing him down the parking lot. And he just drives off down Forche Road. Tati ever forgot in shul? Tati never forgot in shul. A child who's forgotten in shul is not unwanted. When the Tati drives home and only realizes a minute later that he left his kid in shul, he turns around and he comes back. Now when the Tati leaves the kid in shul, who's the idiot, the Tati or the kid? The Tati. Who feels like the idiot? The kid. The kid feels unwanted. And that creates an unwanted story. And that unwanted story can follow that kid till you bury him. How many of us have relatives in their 60s, 70s, 80s? Uncles, aunts, even parents, they, these bubbas, who are stuck in a story from childhood. And no matter what's happened, no matter how much nachas they could have, they're stuck in the story. They're still inside their story. Because it doesn't matter what happens when you're stuck in a story, that's the story. Now, why do you think I've been calling it a story this whole time? Why do you think I? Why do you think I'm calling Rochle Lei Meino being stuck in a story about Asa, and then stuck in the story with Yaakov that she's a snua, a hated wife? Why do you think I'm calling it a story? Because it's just a, just a story. Now, I know you can go to a therapist and pay 250 bucks or something. I don't know how much it costs in, eight, in Muncie. Maybe it's 100 bucks. I don't know. And you can tell your story. But you notice, I mean, you got to notice something there. 
that you got to pay someone to hear the story. Meaning, if you didn't pay him, there's no way he'd listen to this story. He doesn't want to hear this. He, he would never listen to the story. You hand him a hundred bucks, he'll listen to your story. What is that telling you about your story? It's not worth anything. You got to pay people to tell it. Don't you guys realize that a good story people pay for? When someone buys a storybook in the airport bookstore, you know, a novel, you, you pay for the story. You're not supposed to be paying people for your story. <laughs> We're paying people to hear our story. By the way, I'm not making fun of therapy. Therapy is very important. I myself, I'm trained in hypnosis. You are getting very sleepy. <laughs> that, that was my training. I worked for five years in therapy, hypnosis. But so much of it is just simply paying someone to hear your silly story. The reason we call it a story is because it's nothing more than a story. On the other side of your story is the emis, and the emis is you're awesome, you're amazing, you're an incredible person. And you've got blessings all over the place. Blessings in health, blessings in wealth. We're living in the wealthiest generation in history. There's never been a generation like this. I'm not talking about like mega wealth. I'm talking about the very fact that we live the way we live today. Just the basics. And for even people without money who are struggling, it's only because of the pressures of the lifestyle today. But you still have a million times more than anyone had a hundred years ago. Even the guy struggling. The reason we feel like we're poor is only because society has, you know, raised the bar of what's called normal. But you're even the poor person's living with a ton, quadruple what someone had a hundred years ago, fifty years ago. poorest person in Muncie has more money than 99.9% of, of uh, Ethiopia of their citizens eats better lives better but you can't see it when you're stuck in the story I'm going to end with an invitation for everybody I don't know how we'll have room for you, but we will, I guess. But I'm going to invite all of you. I've, for the last five years, I've been coming to Muncie to train men and women how to drop the story. Now, if it's a kid like this young man, you can drop the story in two seconds. Because how long have you been taking your story seriously? Maybe an hour. No, I'm kidding. A year, two years. And that's really important, by the way, is Baruch Hashem, because the work I do with people actually dropped my career in, in therapy to run these seminars, the Possible You Seminar, is that once you do this, you can actually heal your kid's story before it becomes locked in to their adulthood. And you, I don't know if you gentlemen know this, but in the Haredish schools for girls, they have a grade on organization. Can you imagine being, you imagine grading boys for organization? <laughs> Just like, okay, everybody gets an F. 
So my girl comes home, she failed organization. And she's crying. And I'm laughing. How can you have a grade in organization? I wasn't, you know, I didn't want her to feel that. I wasn't laughing, like, really. But I was inside, I was laughing. Like, what a joke. And now she's all out of, out of whack because she got an F in organization. So you know what I told her? You know what I told my daughter? I said, you're part of the club. And she's like, what club? I said, you're in the club. What club? I'm in this club. Bobby's in this club. She's like, what club? I said, you're in the club of people who are challenged with organization, logistics. And she's like, she, she was a little girl. She was like seven years old. She was like, I'm in a club. And I'm like, yes, you are. And she's like, great. This is so exciting. I'm in a club. And, and, and then she, she said, what does the club do? I said, our club works extra hard on staying organized. And she's like, I could do that. I said, great. Let's get to work. And that was it. She went from an F to an A in organization. She's given, had an A in organization. She's now 18 years old. A nice Hasidah up, The most organized kid probably in my house. But that story of I'm a slob when she was seven, crying there as a slob, that story could have ruined her. Now, once you're older, that you, you can you can restory a kid, but how do you restory a man? And so that's the work I've been doing now. I've I come to Muncie probably twice a year for this. Uh, the the if you'd like to be involved in this, it is a very deep experience. You have to be psychologically fit for it because it's super intense. It's not. This isn't small stuff. We're going to take off our gloves and we're going to go down the rabbit hole of how you became who you became, your whole story. Now that's not going to be public. You don't have to share that. But you're going. You're going down. You're going down the rabbit hole of your story. It's not easy. It's pretty heavy. But it's better to go heavy there and get, to get rid of the thing than to spend the rest of your life stuck in a story. And good luck telling God when you get upstairs. I may have dream your story. You know why? Because guess what? They don't call it all of my Amos for nothing. You can't tell a story that ain't Amos. And so when you get upstairs and Hashem says, why were you like that? Why were you like that? Why this? And why that? Why that? You don't get to suddenly tell this amazing story about how you were teased as a kid or how your tati left you in a shul on four shade. Why? It happened, didn't it? You say to God, God, but it happened. You know what God's going to say? Yes, it happened. But you kept telling yourself that story. It was not based in truth. You are You are part of me. You are an Ish Kodesh. You are amazing. You are awesome. So you can't even tell your story when you die. And you're going to have a lot of answering to do. 
I'm sorry to go into Musser now, but you're going to have to answer. When you die, you're going to have to answer. So I'm inviting all of you to come. It's going to be starting at 1.30 into the night. Sunday at 1.30 p.m. into the night of Sunday night. Then it's going to be after work hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, from 7 to 11-ish. 7 to 11-ish. From Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. All together, it'll come to 24 hours together, four days in a row. And you can literally, literally tase, you know, like cops tase a guy. You can tase your story until it's just shaken on the ground like some kind of criminal. And walk out of there story free well I'm sure you'll find other stories we have a lot of layers a lot of layers stories. I'm discovering I discovered two new layers this year way more intense layers well not as intense but just as intense as as the loser story I have another story and the the women's seminar if you'd like to send your wife or a mature daughter, don't send a girl who's not ready for such heavy work. But uh, the women's seminar, you have to be 18 and up. The women's seminar is going to be um, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. I know from women that's like a logistical nightmare, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., six hours a day. But that's, that's the facts. Okay, so women can come. The women's seminar is going to be at, a, is, what's the shul called over there? It's Steinwurzel. Larissa Court, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. One Larissa Court is the women's seminar Monday at 10 a.m. And the men's is, uh, the men's is on uh, some big girls' school on Main Road, I think. Main Street. What's that big? There's a big girls' school, like a seminary. It's called Base Rachel. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, they, they, it's it's all online. This website is thepossibleview.org, and if you'd like to save a seat to make sure you can that there's room for you, it's info at thepossibleview.org. And lastly, is that. If you're wondering, should I go, should I not go, should I go, should I go, you can come for the first couple of hours. You can check it out. But there will be a point at about hour two or three that I'm going to launch you. Meaning you're either staying for the whole seminar or you're out of there. Okay? So uh, anyway, but everyone's invited. Women are invited for Monday and the men for Sunday. Guten Shabbos. Mishkoyach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.